We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. This is Johnny Rabbit. Now it's the KMOX Rabbit at Your Service show. Until 3 today, Jody Saul, the new boss of the Missouri Historical Society, will be with us. Father David Suwalski of St. Louis U., about the treasures you can see at the museums there, and some history, too. We'll hear some interesting info from Mike Truax about the 1904 World's Fair. Plus, we'll meet with Cliff Fralick in moments about the history and future of Cinema St. Louis. Always all about the movies. That reminds me, I'm presenting a free movie and theater program in the Lee Auditorium at the Missouri History Museum a week from Tuesday, Tuesday, November 15th, and doors open at 10.30. We'll have live music by members of the group Fanfare. That organization's been around for 40 years in St. Louis. Well, movies are better than ever. It was the big advertising slogan of the movie industry that came about when movie makers realized that people were staying home to watch TV for free rather than having to go out and pay to get into the movies. In some cases, but not all, movies did get better. They certainly got bigger with CinemaScope, Todd A.O., Panavision, VistaVision, even Cinerama, plus 3D, too. But across America, movie houses fell like dominoes, especially the neighborhood theaters, such as uh, some of them you may remember in the St. Louis area, the Ritz, O'Fallon, Rivoli, Merry Widow, Jim, Roxy, the Grand and Alton, Columbia, Northside, Pauline, Shenandoah, Washington, and Granite City, Michigan, and literally dozens more. But most of the movie studios managed to meet the competition and created a greater variety of films. And in St. Louis, we are so fortunate to have Cinema St. Louis as an important organization that respects and pays tribute to both the movies and their audiences. And we have from Cinema St. Louis, well, almost from, because <laughs> you've retired, uh, Cliff Fraley. Hello, Cliff. Hey, Johnny, happy to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you are here as our first visitor today. Uh, Cinema St. Louis. Well, I, I'm sure people have heard about it, but there may be people who don't know. Okay, what is Cinema St. Louis? What, what does it mean? Indeed, unfortunately, a lot of people have not heard of Cinema St. Louis, even though we've been around for 31 years at this point. Uh, it's always been a frustration, uh, and you have to sort of reintroduce yourself every year when we do the St. Louis International Film Festival. Um, that's our big event, and in fact, the uh, organization was founded, it was originally the St. Louis Film Festival, period. Mm. And that was the only event that um, the organization did. But over the years, we've uh, rebranded uh, that buzzword that is so <laughs> famous nowadays. That it is. Uh, we uh, decided that we wanted to expand our portfolio, have more than just the St. Louis International Film Festival. And so we called ourselves Cinema St. Louis. That took place about 20 years ago. And then we slowly added a whole range of other kinds of programming. 
uh, during the course of the year. We uh, picked up a, a event that took place for just one year called the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase that mm. was presented by the St. Louis Film Office. It's really a terrific event focusing attention on local filmmakers and those who have local connections but are working elsewhere. And then the St. Louis Film Office promptly went out of business. Oh. So rather than let that die, we picked it up. And uh, Cinema St. Louis has now been doing it for more than 20 years. <laughs> so That's we've right. obviously carried the ball a long sure way. And then we added uh, a classic French film festival, a LGBTQ-focused mm-hmm. festival called Q-Fest St. Louis. We have another event called Golden Anniversaries that uh, celebrates films on their 50th anniversary in which we have Just like our classic French film festival, we have people introduce and then discuss the films. Um, And then we do, uh, over the years, we've done other things as well. Uh, We presented back in 2011, uh, Vincentennial, uh, which uh, was a celebration, obviously, of Vincent Price from St. Louis on his 100th, what would have been his 100th birthday. And we, uh, for many years, were the local producers of the 48-Hour Film Project. And then we do... What is that? 48-Hour Film Project continues. Um, It's now not under our auspices, but uh, it continues. It's a national organization. You create a film in 48 hours, um, start to finish, and you have no way of really pre-planning because you don't know (laughs) what the genre is going to be. And then they force you to incorporate a line, a character, and a prop into whatever it is you create. And Mm -hmm. you have to do it literally uh, start to finish 48 hours. It's a lot of fun, uh, and we enjoyed being a part of it. And it's always possible that we'll, you know, uh, become the local producers again. But uh, right around the time of the pandemic, we decided that uh, it was probably uh, not something that was going to be viable for a while, and so we withdrew. Now, you, we've talked about 31 years ago, and then it became Cinema St. Louis 20 years ago. You've been there how long? Uh, a total of 19 uh, years. However, it's always more complicated than it should be. I came from the world of journalism. I was uh, at the Riverfront Times, the local alt-weekly, for many, many years, actually somewhere on the order of 18 years, wow. starting as a film critic, but mm-hmm. uh, then becoming an editor. But at a certain point, uh, I grew disenchanted with some changes that were taking place at the paper. It had been purchased by a large national chain called right. New Times at that at that stage. And I was looking to do something else, and thankfully... Um, the film festival was looking for an executive director, uh, and so I applied. I had also, in addition to having film knowledge, uh, I had uh, helped co-found a humane society, the Metro East Humane Society. So I had not-for-profit experience. Mm -hmm. So I did it for a couple of years uh, back in 2001, 2002, and then got lured back into the world of journalism. The Post-Dispatch asked Uh me to apply for the arts and uh, entertainment editor position. Did that for a couple years? Uh, Three years. So I did it for three years. Wasn't the best time to go into daily journalism, quite frankly. And uh, just as (laughs) the RFT had been purchased by New Times, uh, while I was at the Post, uh, they were purchased by Lee Enterprises Mm -hmm. uh, from Pulitzer. Um, And I I just decided that uh, I needed to make a change. And again, the festival was interested in having me back. So in 2006, I returned and I was there all the way up until my retirement at the end of June. Now, you, Dave, you still would do writing for like St. Louis Magazine or other publications? Uh, over the years, I have freelanced for the Riverfront Times, for the Post-Dispatch. I, I'm old enough that I even uh, uh, did a little freelance work for the Globe Democrat before it finally oh expired. <laughs> uh, it was in its last iteration at that yeah, point. Right. Uh, and yes, St. Louis Magazine, I was, um, I, while I was the editor, uh, the executive 
executive editor at the RFT. I was also the managing editor at St. Louis Magazine because both were published by uh, uh, Hartman Publishing. Ray oh, Hartman. sure. Ray Hartman, sure. Uh, and he had control of both publications, and he believed in getting the maximum amount of effort out of everybody who worked for him. <laughs> so I ended up being managing editor of St. Louis Magazine and helping relaunch it and executive editor of the RFT at the same time. So, yes, I continue to write for a variety of places. Good. Uh, including the common reader. Washington University has a journal of essays. Uh, Gerald Early, a uh, mm-hmm. really terrific essayist himself, uh, yes. uh, is the editor of that. So I appear periodically. What are, uh, what are your subjects? You have a- uh, primarily film, but I, uh, for example, several years back, I wrote about um, the animal population at my house. My <laughs> wife and I have a very large menagerie of animals um, it's waxed and waned. Right now we have, and it's always appalling when I tell people this, two dogs. That's mm-hmm. reasonable. That's not bad. And 15 cats. That's bad. Uh, and it's 15. a non-reproducing population, non-reproducing oh, population, my. mind you. They're all spayed or neutered, and we are on three acres. They can go oh. in and out at will. So it's not as overwhelming as you might no, I, I envision. Mm-hmm. But it can be pretty overwhelming. It can. Uh, So anyway, I I wrote uh, an essay about that. But uh, I have a piece upcoming, I think, in uh, December uh, about the films of Howard Hawks, specifically focused on his aviation films. Uh, He Uh did five aviation films, only four of which are actually available. But uh, one was lost. Which one was lost? Uh, it's a silent, and now oh, I'm going uh, right. to challenge me. No, I'm no, going to no, blank on the name of silent, it. Silent, uh, you know. <laughs> but it was, uh, it's no of, longer available. So even if I told you the name, it would Who be knows? No yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, your, the operation, uh, your previous operation full-time there, Cinema St. Louis, is right up the street from us. At, uh, what would be 3547 Olive Street in the old, what, uh, the Knights of... Columbus Building, Machinist Hall. I think there'd been a dance studio in there at one time. Yeah, there were a lot of things in there. Apparently, there's there were rumors that in that building there was also a house of ill repute. I don't know how accurate that was, but uh, at some point uh, that was a rumor that was floated. And I there, like to believe that yeah, it's true. I, I uh, do too. But yeah, uh, it's in Grand Center, and that's oh, our right. you know sort of hub. Uh, it's just our office space. Uh, we obviously are dependent on presenting films elsewhere. Uh, if you look on Google, of course, it'll identify that location as being a movie theater. It is not. <laughs> but you do have a theater in, in it. I mean, uh, well, there is a, uh, a beautiful space that we do use for our um, uh, trivia nights. Uh, it's a, uh, and you can do dance recitals and mm-hmm. uh, theatrical presentations, concerts. And we have used it for some uh, very modest film presentation, but it's got acoustical issues that you would not really want to uh, yeah. use it as a, a full-fledged theater. And it also some light bleed issues, things of that nature. We want perfection when That's we right. show That's right. Of a course. Film. Why not? So we, uh, we make certain that we uh, find venues that can fully meet our expectations. Now, that building is now known as the Centene Center for the Arts? Is That's that the, correct. The There's a whole range of small to mid-sized arts operations that uh, call it home. And we've been very pleased to be there for uh, some time. Arts and Education Council is the um, landlord, so they gave they give us below good. market rates. Oh, good. Well, that's good. We uh, have benefited enormously over the years from uh, being uh, located there, and it also helps with collaboration. Sure. We obviously interact periodically with the people who are our neighbors, 
and that leads to occasionally co-presentations. You're listening to Cliff Frolic. He is from Cinema St. Louis. We're going to talk more with him about various other things in the next few minutes. We've got more guests on the way between now and 3 o'clock this afternoon. This is Johnny Rabbit at your service. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And this is Johnny Rabbit. We are at your service. We are with Cliff Freilich. And what a day he's going to have. This is just the start of his well, maybe not even the start. This is the midday, and you're going to go see three movies? That's right. Uh, uh, now that I'm retired uh, as executive director, I don't have to worry about running the show. I can just sit <laughs> back and enjoy the show, uh, which is always a pleasure when I go visit other film festivals and see everybody else running around with like chickens with their head cut yeah. off. Uh, well, was, I can just relax in, in my seat. So the, you'll be at the Plaza Frontenac, and they have uh, several uh, screenings of different movies today. From... Right. Uh, uh, they are going to be at Plaza Frontenac all the way through November 13th. And you have other venues, too. Not That's there. correct. Uh, there are two screens uh, through Wednesday at the Galleria. Uh, that's a venue that is... Uh, they did use it for Q-Fest earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but that's a reasonably fresh venue for us. Uh, and then we're also at Washington University at Brown Hall and at Webster University at uh, Winifred Moore Auditorium. And then we have occasional presentations. It's not every day, clustered on the weekends primarily at SIUE, Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, and then also at the Contemporary Art Museum St. Louis and Right nearby here at KMOX at the uh, St. Louis Public Library. Oh, right across the street. We're doing on uh, Saturdays and Sundays at uh, 1.30 uh, Golden Anniversaries presentations, uh, several films uh, celebrating their 50th anniversary. So 19... And those are free. They are at the they library. Are, I, I like the sound of that, free. When is that again? When go to... uh, those are on Saturday and Sunday, Sorry. both weekends, so you can still oh. catch one. Well, you can't do it. It's uh, just about ready to start, one thirty. Oh. Uh, but uh, next Saturday and Sunday. Uh, That's Assuming great. you're not working on one of those days. I, I hope not. <laughs> and you also do some teaching I, at still at Webster University. I am. Uh, I am in my 39th year as an adjunct oh, professor of goodness. film studies at Webster University. I'm teaching a course on Alfred Hitchcock right now. Oh, my gosh. That's uh, great. going to be showing Vertigo uh, this week and discussing a uh, film by a Hitchcock acolyte, uh, Brian De Palma Sisters, mm-hmm. which I showed last mm. week. Big class. How many people attended uh, the classes, That, for example, to see one of the movies? Uh, it, it varies depending on uh, the class that I'm teaching. This is a relatively small crew, about 10 people, but mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, we ma- cap it at 25, and I have had any number of uh, classes that reach that level. Now, uh, is there any truth to the rumor that you're going to reopen the Orpheum Theater at 9th and St. Charles? Is... <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid not. Darn it. 
I'm just trying to find somebody that could do What a beautiful theater that is. There, there is uh, uh, some movement afoot. Uh, Saint, uh, Cinema St. Louis wants to find a permanent home, and so there may be an announcement that I cannot reveal. Oh, I understand. Uh, in the not-too-distant future about uh, plans along those lines. Great. Well, well if we uh, keep in tune with so that. So I'll just tantalize you yeah, with that. So you keep have your done eyes so. on the, uh, the to website, cinemastlouis.org. Yeah, Cinema St. Louis, but spell out S-T-L-O-U-I-S. Oh, that's correct. CinemaStLouis.org. And if you want to, how long is the, the festival still going on for a few more days? Uh, more than a few more days. It goes all the way through next Sunday, the, November 13th. So you can and find I'll put it, I, I should be modest and not say yes. this, but uh, they are giving me a tribute program. I know, um, I know. On Saturday, November 12th at That's Webster exciting. University. Uh, which is appropriate given my long-term uh, relationship with at Webster. Winifred Moore Auditorium, which is a great place to see a movie. Right. So if you're interested in that, uh, hear me gas on, yes. much akin to what I'm doing now. Uh, but also, we're going to be showing one of my absolute favorite films uh, by one of my favorite directors, Howard starring Hawks. one of my favorite uh, actors, Cary Grant, and that's His Girl Friday. Yeah, oh, what a movie. With Rosalind Russell, Ralph Bellamy, and that's going to be at 7 o'clock next, this coming Saturday, the 12th. That's correct. Uh, and uh, is there a charge for this? I... Oh yes, there's a charge. Oh. Uh, it's a, it's actually a fundraiser for Cinema oh, St. Louis. So, uh, but it's it's cheap at any cost. Good. It's fifteen dollars. Good. And then if uh, somebody wants to attend a little reception that takes place at six o'clock, uh, you can uh, uh, inquire about that. That's a little bit more expensive because so you get then... some free. No. Free beer and wine. Ah, well, his girl <laughs> Friday, based on the front page from 1928, I believe. Uh, really a, a fine movie. And Howard Hawks, as you said, he was your, uh, what a great guy. What a great director. Volunteers. Do you use volunteers or is it all paid staff? Oh, we staff? use many volunteers. The paid staff is actually quite small. Uh, there's only, well, right now there's only three full-time staff members. There are people who are brought on specifically for the festival uh, to do driving and handle our venues for us to do projection. But mostly... It's three full-time people right now. They, I hope, will be expanding the staff shortly. Um, but uh, we have uh, as many as two to 250 volunteers during any festival uh, because we have a lot of places that we're at simultaneously, and mm-hmm. we can only yeah. be at so many. So, uh, yeah, we're absolutely dependent on our volunteers. How do people volunteer? Just uh, go to the website Just and go to the website. You'll find interested. all sorts of information about how to uh, sign up. And it, not only do you get to do something for a, a good nonprofit, but in addition, uh, you get to see some free movies. Do you have uh, all your 15 cats have names? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. They all have multiple names, quite frankly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cliff Rayleigh, thank you. Sure. Thank Thanks you. very much. Cliff Rayleigh, on behalf of our KMOX listeners, I do thank you as well for all that you have done and are going to continue to do. I know we will be hearing more from you about that interesting uh, tidbit that you said we're going to hear. How soon do you think it'll be? When... Uh, probably by the end of the year. Aha. Okay. We'll be watching and listening. It's 127 now, and this is Johnny Rabbit at your service at KMOX. Here we are. This is Johnny Rabbit. We are at your service. It's 132. Mike Truax is with us. You may know that name if you know about the World's Fair. Uh, he is keeping the mighty World's Fair alive. The 1904 St. Louis World's Fair, Louisiana Purchase Exposition. So good of you to be here, Mike. I thank you very much. You look just. That's, is that a costume you would have worn if you were at the World's Fair performing somewhere at the Tyrolean Alps? That. Well, the World's Fair brought together people from so many different countries. There are a lot of people in strange outfits there from uh, 
Indians to people dressed up from the Mideast uh, and, of course, different European countries. And there were a lot of concessions that did have uh, performers and actors in costume. I, I imagine there are a lot of photographs, I know, of, of the fair. Where are the photographs displayed? Where can people really see some good photographs of the fair? Well, the two best sources for images from the 1904 World's Fair are at the Missouri History Museum, mm-hmm. of course. You can go to their website and with a little bit of searching, drill down to a directory where they have, I think, seven or 800 very good images from the World's Fair. And also the St. Louis Public Library, about mm. 10 or well, about 15 or 20 years ago, found out that they had almost 7,000 8 by 10 inch glass plate negatives from the World's Fair. How many did you say? 7,000. 7,000? And Can you turn, see those? Yes, they oh, are wow. have been professionally scanned into what I would call high-resolution digital. And if you drill down on their website, slpl.org, uh, to their Louisiana Purchase Exposition uh, images, you can search for various words like construction or festival hall or Ferris wheel and just see some images that in detail when you zoom in will blow you away. That's great. Now, do you show these anywhere? Do you have, a, like, some of these that you have that an ongoing presentation, like going to the History Museum or wherever to show X amount of photographs? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, they are, of course, accessible to the public, but I've incorporated many of those images into various presentations I give about the overview of the World's Fair or about sculpture at the World's Fair. Uh, we've given a lengthy uh presentation a couple times at the History Museum about the Ferris wheel and what happened to it after the fair and what happened to the axle. Okay, what happened to it? Well, uh, for a long time, there was an urban legend that the axle was left behind and buried. It was 32 inches in diameter, 45 feet long, and weighed 70 tons. Uh, The owners of the Ferris wheel had brought the Ferris wheel to St. Louis from Chicago, where it was first put up for their World's Fair in 1893. And they brought it down here, I think, on 175 rail cars and re-erected it. Uh, They operated it during the fair, and the World's Fair Company gave them some money up front to do so. Uh, But it was in the edge of Forest Park, right along Skinker, by the Library and Research Center. Uh, That's the Library and Research Center for the Missouri Historical Society. Correct, right on the golf course there. And the agreement with the city to use that portion of Forest Park was they would build a permanent art museum, and they would remove everything after the fair and turn it back into a park. So the Ferris wheel had to go, and the Chicago House Wrecking Company owned it. They tried to sell it to some other amusement parks. Uh, It obviously couldn't stay where it was. Uh, And on May 1906, they blew the whole Ferris wheel up with 100 pounds of dynamite for scrap. (laughs) Uh, That made it easy to cut up all the pieces of metal and take them away. The axle was, though, hardened steel, and it was worth quite a bit of money back then. And documentation from that family-owned company has been found, and in fact, just within the last year or so, a newspaper report from late 1906, early 1907, described it being taken back to Chicago, where it stayed in, quote, their yard until the torches got better to cut up that hardened steel in about 1918 or so. Interesting. So now the the uh, myth is over with. Now, what about that observation wheel? I don't think we can see it from here over there at Union Station. How did that compare in size to the World's Fair wheel? Well, the St. Louis Fair uh, or St. Louis wheel at Union Station is about two hundred feet high, whereas the observation or Ferris wheel at the World's Fair was two hundred and sixty-four feet high. 
Uh, so it was about 80% the, of the height, mm-hmm. but the difference was in the cars and what it could carry. Uh, the St. Louis wheel has about 40 cars and can carry about uh, 300 people or something like that if you fill all the cars up. The 1904 Ferris wheel had cars that were 17 by 26 feet long. My gosh. Uh, that's the size of a reasonable-sized family room dining area. Sure is. Uh, if you're in a place with uh, ceiling tiles, you can count ceiling tiles, and they're <laughs> about two feet by two feet usually. And when you see that size, they could easily fit 50 or 60 people in them, but they usually only put about 30 or 40 in them, and uh, the capacity was over 2,000. Uh, each car, though, was made on a uh, steel I-beam framework, uh, and held up lengthwise in between the two giant wheels. And although they only f- filled it up with 20 or 30 people at a time, uh, taking you up 240 feet, each car weighed 13 tons. Wow. What <laughs> what great statistics that always continue to come out of the fair. And as always, the amazingly active 1904 World's Fair Society has come up with something new to many, and that's a certain type of artwork of a man named August Gerber. Who, who was August Gerber, and what did he do? Well, August Gerber uh, was a German uh, sculptor, and in the late 1800s or so, uh, it became fashionable to make copies of German uh, and European statues of mythological and uh, historical figures with a resin of some sort, and then they could pour another resin into that mold and make a replication of a you know famous statue, and they could take that wherever they want. They could make two or three copies of it. He made copies of probably 80 to 100 different statues in Germany and brought them to the World's Fair where they were displayed in many different buildings. Uh, after the fair, they weren't worth a whole lot since they weren't the originals. They were copies, and a man named Louis Hauck acquired those statues uh, he was a benefactor of the Missouri Normal School in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. He purchased those with the intent of giving them to the school, which became a college, now university, called Southeast Missouri State University. And uh, that's where they are to this day, and many of them are on display. Just around the campus, in buildings, outside? They have a, a, a statuary hall that they use for special events where many of the statues and some of the friezes are displayed and... Uh, uh, they've had a kind of up-and-down history, sometimes being put in basements and stuff for a while. <laughs> but what are they made of? I mean, what what is the final? You talked about the resin and all that. Is that what it is? Yes, it's a cast resin that basically looks like a marble stone, but can also be painted. And some of them have been painted, you know, kind of a bronze to look like a bronze sculpture. Have you seen, have you gone there to look at them? I have not been able to go see them. I hope to sometime, but there are pictures of them online that can be How found. long have they been? I've been from the beginning, from 1904 or 5 or 6? Or? They, they've been there since the middle of the 1900s, yes. Wow. Uh, and they got moved to different places. They sometimes got damaged. But uh, they, in the last 20 years, they've been resurrected and restored what they can and, uh, you know, put on very nice display. Is there a documentary about this, about uh, Mr. Gerber or his work or the type of work he did? Uh, I don't know of any documentary, but well, there see, are that some something for you online. to do. Well, you can put something like that together. <laughs> uh, so if you're going down to Simo, Cape Girardeau, go look for the statues. They're maybe all over the place. You might just run into one just by walking around. Well, uh like I said, most of them, I think, are on display in uh, their academic hall or the uh, uh, 
Statuary Hall, which is kind of an event center. It's a used to be a church. I assume they are in good condition. Today. Yes, oh, the that's ones great. On display have been uh, you know touched up and restored and are uh, in very good condition. Have any been uh, this, these uh, replicas uh, been brought to St. Louis for any of your events, for example? Um, no, because they're kind of large and heavy. They're usually larger than life size and valuable. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think a couple of them were taken up to Columbia. Uh, and put on display there for a little while, and one or two of them may have made an occasional trip up to the art museum. Now, you have a way that people can see these without going there, coming up this Tuesday, I believe. Uh, Yes, this Tuesday we're having a virtual presentation from uh, Frank Nickel, who was an instructor down at SEMO for over 40 years, and he has researched those extensively. We've been putting together a program, and we'll have a virtual uh, meeting of the 1904 World's Fair Society, one of our monthly meetings, and it'll be on Zoom at 7 p.m. in the evening. Uh, you can find out about it either by being a member of the society, and we send you uh, emails and reminders and a link to it, or if you go to Facebook and go to the 1904 World's Fair Society appreciation page, uh, there will be a link posted there uh, later today. So people, anybody can see this if they want Anybody to. can see that presentation and meeting, yes. And that is when again? Tuesday? That will be Tuesday uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, on the, there will be a link on the Facebook page for the 1904 World's Fair Society and Appreciation page. Now, we're going to take a short break here, Mike, and we're going to come back to talk about something that you have. Uh, it's not till December, but... Uh, members will be invited and others. And I know you brought me a document here with uh, some very interesting stuff. You're going to tell me about this this big document that has arrived by surprise. Certainly. Well, always a surprise. You know, everybody says, well, why are people interested in the world? Why are people interested in the world sphere, in your opinion? I'm asked that quite often. What's the deal? Well, uh, I've been studying the World's Fair for 25 years. And in the last five years, I've come across half a dozen substantial things that surprised me that I didn't know before and dug into. For example, maps that we thought were accurate have some inaccuracies because things changed during the fair. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Cascades, which looked to be very substantial with fountains and statuary on them in front yes, of the uh, festival uh-huh. hall, were actually built on pilings so that all the piping, et cetera, and pumps could be put underneath them. And it just kind of blew me away to find out some of those details about the fair. That is. It's always something new, even though it's really old and getting older all the time. But how many members do you have that are active members in the organization? Uh, In our society of dues-paying people that get our monthly bulletin and uh, our uh, come to our meetings, we have about 60 or 70 that come to our meetings. We have almost 300 dues-paying members. And on our Facebook group, we have over 5,000 people. Hmm, oh yes. Mike Truex of 1904 World's Fair is our subject. We'll get right back to it in the next few minutes with Johnny Rabbit at your service. Here we are at your service. This is Johnny Rabbit. Mike Truex is here about the World's Fair. Now you want people to learn about the World's Fair, but in a special way. You're going to come to them if you have an organization and you want to learn about the fair. Who's going to come to show people about it? You? Uh, I do a lot of it, and we have a couple of other people that will do presentations about the fair. We've uh, done them for schools and uh, church organizations and just social organizations. Uh, If you have a group of people that would like to know more about the fair, uh, give us a call. You can either call me at home. My number is 618-593-0190, 
or send an email to me. Uh, my email is my last name, Truax, T-R-U-A-X, at charter.net. I'll give you those uh, addresses and the address and the number here in just a moment. Uh, but, but, okay, you have uh, an event. Somebody calls, whoever it may be, a social organization, you said, or whatever. We'd like to hear about the World's Fair. What do you bring? We will bring a presentation that typically is anywhere from 25 or 30 minutes up to 40 minutes or so. Oh, then what kind a, of, like, uh, pictures, video? Oh, yes. Uh, by program, I mean a PowerPoint presentation that we will project on a wall. We can bring a laptop and projector. All we need is a wall. Uh, and uh, show you pictures of the fair that will amaze most people because they know a little bit about the fair, but not a whole lot. And when you see people putting together the Ferris wheel that are 200 feet up in the air with no safety belts, but they're all wearing hats, (laughs) you kind of will go, wow, I don't believe that. The size of the buildings will blow you away. And we will show you those pictures, answer questions. We will bring souvenirs and memorabilia from the fair, actually from the World's Fair for you to see and touch. And the Society as a nonprofit organization also sells some merchandise, uh, books, pamphlets, videos hmm. about the fair. And that What about T-shirts and hats? Do you have those? T-shirts, hats? Oh, yes, T-shirts, uh, uh, big straw hats. Uh, don't have baseball caps at the moment, but we have visors, uh, but uh, polo shirts. Uh, Good. Uh, now let me give you his number again. Uh, he's not there now because he's here, but you can call him at 618 618- Five nine three zero one nine zero five nine three zero one nine zero area code six one eight. The email address truax t r u a x at charter dot net. And maybe you would have an. This would be a great idea for an event because people want to have something different all the time. And it doesn't have to be a school. Doesn't have to be a church. Doesn't have to maybe just a neighborhood organization. All right, we would love to do it to neighborhood organizations or to uh, school age children who have parents that have of school age children and interest them in the fair and history. And uh, yes, we will try to get you to join the society. And the more after twenty five years, the more you learn about the fair the more you want to learn and just dig deeper and deeper into it. And we want to keep the society going for a very long time and grow the society with more members uh, doing more presentations, et cetera. Are you getting more members now, more than maybe, say, 10 years ago? Well, in 1904, we peaked at a very large number for the centennial of the fair, obviously, and it dropped off by the time 1906 or 07 rolled around. Uh, since then, we've been growing slowly but steadily over the last five years up to uh, close to 300 members again. Now, what about collectibles? Uh, things like postcards, books, magazines, programs, things, photos uh, from the fair, medals, uh, uh, things. Gosh, I mean, just there were so many items that were issued by various organizations that relate to the fair. Where can somebody, if somebody has that, where can they sell them? Can they, are there people who buy these things? There are people that buy those things. Uh, Most of them are common. They were mass-produced souvenirs sold at the fair. And like you said, metals, china, uh, books, booklets, uh, uh, spoons, postcards. And I'd be willing to bet that probably 20% of St. Louisans have one or two pieces of the World's Fair souvenirs at home that have been handed down to them. I bet. If, if you want to know how much they're worth, go look at eBay. There's a whole category, and on a weekly basis, there's well over 100 items for sale, and you can see what things are selling for. But every once in a while, something very unusual comes up, and it will go for, uh, instead of the typical oh, 25 to 50 or $60, it may go for many hundreds of dollars. Hmm. That's interesting. So if you have some of those things and you want to raise a little extra money, there's something you can do. Now, you have something coming up on Saturday, December 3rd, 
That's a 12.30 in the afternoon, actually on the fairgrounds. Actually on the fairgrounds this year, yes. Uh, the Society has a monthly meeting. Uh, we meet at various libraries, sometimes the History Museum, sometimes virtual since uh, COVID. We try to record and save our meetings uh, online. And many of our meetings over the last couple of years can be found on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and you search for 1904 World's Fair Society monthly meetings, you'll find them uh, without any problem. And you can watch those meetings over the last couple of years. But we have two special meetings every year. One is around April 30th, which was opening day of the fair. And we typically have a society picnic uh, in a, one of the local parks. And on or around December 1st, the closing day of the fair, we have a closing day banquet. And that banquet is to commemorate the closing of the fair. And we commemorate the closing at, with a kind of a ceremony at the end about the lights going dim and turning out the lights and stuff like that. And it's a uh, catered dinner. Obviously, that has a uh, admission charge and ad- admission fee. Every attendee gets a gift, and we have attendance prizes that are memorabilia from the World's Fair. So that's going to be at the Norman K. Probstein Golf Course, the clubhouse there yes. in Forest Park. Easy to find. But what if we're? I'm looking at this map. Mm-hmm. Where was where? What was on that property then? If we go back to the World's Fair, the Probstein Golf Course. Uh, what's what's there today? But tell me what what's right there. Well, if you're driving on Skinker and you turn off of Skinker uh, into the park uh, and go by the golf course clubhouse, that clubhouse was built right on the site of what was the Palace of Machinery at the 1904 World's Fair, right in the middle of it. That's right. And that's where the large generators and turbines uh, would take the steam produced from a coal plant right next door uh, and turn it into electricity that would power the uh, lights and the uh, intramural railroad, a trolley car that mm-hmm. ran around the fair, and all the electrical needs for the fair. So, who can come to this? Anybody? But you have to, or do you have to be a member? You have to, to be come? a member to come. Yes. So, uh, if you go to our website, and our website is www.1904worldsfairsociety.org, uh, there is a membership form there, and you can join. And uh, we can take payment online or over the phone. What does it or, cost? Or by check. It's $25 for a calendar year. Or if you say join now, we'll give you some back issues of the bulletin and it'll pay for next year for $35. That sounds like a lot of fun. I, I know uh, Maureen Jocko, a friend and neighbor. She loves the 1904 World's Fair uh, events. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a very pleasant group of people I know who get together, but you're always seeking and have new people coming along from who knows where, not well, just in St. Louis. I even invite a certain radio personality occasionally to really? come and see us. Have uh, you really? So I'm hoping you can come this oh, year. Me? Oh, me? <laughs> well, maybe I will. You just never know. Uh, that's This is really nice, Steve. And I've, I've seen some things uh, being on the board of the Mercantile Library. We have some artifacts there at the, mm-hmm. at the library. Do you uh, do any events with the Mercantile Library? We have occasionally. Uh, the Mercantile Library is quite interesting place. Uh, I think they're about 60% library and 40% museum in a True. way. And they yeah. have a lot of uh, World's Fair exhibits and artifacts there. We've gone out there for a couple of meetings and had presentations about how the Mercantile Library evolved and seen some of their uh, things that they have on exhibit, yes. Thank you very much for being here, Mike. Okay. Well, Mike Truax, all about the 1904 World's Fair. There's a heck of a lot to talk about. And we haven't even touched it. I mean, there is so much that's there, so much history, so much St. Louis. It's so great to have it all happening. And it happened here. 
And, of course, Meet Me in St. Louis. What a movie about the, the fair from Absolutely. 1944. Later on at your service with me, Johnny Rabbit and KMOX, we're going to take you to the great campus of St. Louis University, lead you to places that you may have passed, maybe you really have never really looked at. Our guide will be Father David Sawalski. Then at 2.30 today, our guest will be the new president and CEO of the great Missouri Historical Society, Dr. Jody Sowell. But next, we're going to... Uh, we're going to have a little news. We'll take a little break, and then we will be right back and take you to St. Louis University. On KMOX, this is Johnny Rabbit, and we are at your service. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 